I'm sick of it. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this. Of what? Health. Health. I'm sick of health. Sick of health. Hello, everyone, and welcome back after a little while, actually, to Sick of Health. As usual, we've got David Wright. Hello. Or Dr. David Wright, I should say, and Rob Littlewood. <laughs> Hello. And I, I feel like we should, there's some, before we get into the catch-ups, which are long overdue, we should do a little um, explanation, one for the audio, which I'm sure you can all understand why the audio doesn't sound quite as good this time around. It's because we are self-isolating, for obvious reasons. Not only self-isolating, but self-isolating across continents, as I am still in Canada, and I guess stuck in Canada for now, but here through choice, and the other lads are back at home. Where are you, boys? I'm in Bristol, back at home. I'm back at my family's place out in Surrey, so got out of London when I could. Nice, nice. I feel like I feel like we never, because I think at the end of the last series, if we call it that, <laughs> we did we recorded two, didn't we? But we never actually released like the last one where we explained we were taking a break because I was going to Canada because it was rubbish. How oh, do we not? Yeah. So I think <laughs> <laughs> so I should explain that there haven't been any more episodes because I made a very selfish move to drop everything and move to Canada, which I've been living the dream out here for six months. But therefore, we haven't done any new episodes. Yeah. However, given the current circumstances, the coronavirus, we're not making you guess the uh, topic this time, Rob, it's too obvious, the coronavirus. Um, we thought, one, we've all got a lot of time on our hands and we're bored, which is probably the main reason. And two, we need some scientific clarity in this world of muddled messages and uh, over-information. And that is, of course, the role of sick of health, I'd say. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> yeah. How, are we, how are we doing in general, boys? How's, uh, how's life affecting us? Getting bored. <laughs> Missing outside and doing things in... My work slowed down quite a lot as well. So, yeah, I think a lot of the clients I work for aren't too sure how they're dealing with things. So they're still kind of sorting out all their internal and external communications. So yeah, I think work-wise, we're in an uh, interesting spot because the three of us are different situations, aren't we? Because yeah, you're, you're self-employed. Although yeah. you're salaried, right? Wax. Correct, yeah. And then I was an hourly worker. So we've got kind of all the categories covered. I've been laid off both jobs, so happy days. <laughs> <laughs> David's David's fighting for business, and Rob, you how are you, how are you going? Uh, doing all right. Um, so I think, I mean, like it's it's by no means secure um, situation with the company at the moment. Um, we obviously rely a lot on our factories, and as a clothing brand, we rely on our factories and our warehouse factories. Perhaps I mean they're abroad, so you know, that's not happening. Um, yeah. And the warehouse, thankfully, is still open. Apparently, they're classed as essential workers somehow. So really? that's keeping us moving. Is the warehouse uh, in the UK? Yeah, it's up in uh, the Midlands. So if that were to shut temporarily, I think that would be um, that would be a bit more of an issue. That's interesting uh, that that's essential mm. work. I know, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, I thought Can't I was going to be... get your fashion brands in times of need. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sale on, by the way. Check it out. Is there? I was actually, I was actually I've been representing around uh, Canada, to be fair. Have you, mate? Nice. Uh, no comments or requests yet, but if they do, I'll let you know. Can we get a sick of health discount code on there? Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, for the listeners. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know. 
That's a good point, David. Did we um, get any correspondence over the, I presume there were lots of people going, when's the next episode? What's coming next? <laughs> oh yeah, we're inundated. I, I just couldn't get through them all, so I won't even start. <laughs> I, think, I think we've even we've even discussed shutting down the email because it costs too much a month and no one emails us. <laughs> did, uh, did your fiance even ask? What about the... Yeah. Is there going to be another episode? <laughs> No, uh, okay. no, don't think so. Lose it. <laughs> I had people, yeah. people asking. I have to say, and actually, this uh, this brings me to the next bit nicely. So there's um, as part of the introduction. So obviously, so today we're going to talk about two two global epidemics. One is obviously coronavirus. Any guesses on the other one? <laughs> it's a trick question. It is the Sick of Health <laughs> podcast itself. We are now a global phenomenon. <laughs> I was checking. I was checking the uh, stats before we came on, and since now we are very much an international podcast. Given, you know, I've moved abroad. Um, there is. <laughs> wait a sec. Let me get the stats up. I'll give you the latest update on where we're big. So, top countries. UK is ahead. A thousand. And then a thousand listeners, and then um, North America now accounts for. So this is Canada and the United States combined. Now accounts for three hundred and sixty. Wow! Big moves. And then uh, yeah. I know David's been doing some work down under, so that's yeah. on the rise. We got forty down under. Oh no! Nice. Um, <laughs> and, and then Norway comes in fourth, uh, third place, which is pretty good. That's cool. I just had um, my Danish client today asked, <laughs> yeah, about, no, 19, 19. asked about it. So we might get a, raise, a rise in Denmark soon. Between really? this episode and the next, yeah. We've also, Denmark. yeah, got some, it's got Germany's up there. And then Georgia, 10. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that is. The most, the most interesting thing, and I'm assuming we can actually, because I had to upgrade the accounts, so we can now get more information. I can actually do cities. Um, so London is uh, the top city, but the second top city is uh, Mountain View, California, United States. Wow. Which I, I presume Todd, but he was Ohio, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our number one. <laughs> guess the third, can you guess the third uh, city? It's um, in the United Kingdom. Bristol? Bristol is fourth, the 32. The third uh, one, the third one will be, must be purely down to my parents telling their friends <laughs> it's Dorking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. um, and then Vancouver's up there because I've been spreading the word over here. Um, but yeah, just like we've spread pretty much as quick as the coronavirus. So wow. happy, happy days. <laughs> While we may have been dormant, the listeners have not. <laughs> um, so I'm sure they'll be very grateful to receive this new content. Um, I think with that, um, should we crack on and get into the content? Um, yeah, let's do it. So we're obviously talking about coronavirus, COVID-19, COV, SARS-2, or however many names it goes by. Um, let's start with, because basically, obviously, there's so much information going around at the moment. Every time you turn the news on, coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. So we kind of wanted to be try and be a little bit different. So we will focus on our expertise or David's expertise and we're going to get, we're going to get sciencey if that's all right with you, Rob. So anytime, as per usual, anytime we start chatting rubbish, just be like, well, boys. Oh, yeah. okay. But yeah, before we start, 
let's go basics it's a yeah. virus david what's a virus yeah start real basic um so yeah virus they're very very strange because they're they exist in a kind of gray area between living things and non-living things they're not actually really alive they're just really a piece of genetic material that's it surrounded by a case which helps them get inside and infect an organism and then once inside they can replicate lots of times and then get back out but they're not alive in any sense of anything else any mammals birds bacteria so they're quite different i love the i love the somewhere in between living and non-living it makes it sound yeah. like an actual horror film yeah it was yeah. eerie there's some mm. ghostly thing spooking us basically which i guess it is but should we go into the uh at the obvious starting place and the uh, the origins of this virus because it's yeah. it's kind of interesting and kind of historic. Robo, what have you heard in terms of uh, how the virus started? So the Chinese virus um, <laughs> started in in Wuhan. Um, I mean, there obviously there's a lot of ambiguity around like, pinpointing the source of it. But yeah. I think considering the similarities between this and SARS, yeah, yeah. I've read that it's assumed that it was in, you know, the wild animal yeah, trait, you know. They've, exactly. they've linked it to bats as well. I saw snakes mentioned. It's all speculation, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, essentially from there. Um exactly. but then also I was listening to a podcast earlier with um a guy who runs a think tank um specifically around like politics and um well, globalization and he um spoke about um what makes china so interesting and also just such a a feeding ground for it um was the was you know the state of the economy and how since sars i thought this was an interesting figure um and this genuinely isn't staged so i hadn't planned to bring this up um <laughs> I love uh, it. I love it. sars was 2004 two was it something yeah, like that um, yeah. so china made up four percent of the global economy during the sars epidemic do you want to guess how much it makes up now i think i saw this as well 20 17 yeah 20%. i was gonna say 18 yeah 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 just under 20 percent so that's in the space of you know wow 15 16 years that's um insane. it's yeah. it's incredible but what's happened there is they're still a middle-income country so a poor country um, with these, you know, strange, antiquated approaches, such as like trading yeah. eating wild animals that other cultures wouldn't. So it was kind of like the perfect opportunity there because it is quite impoverished. So yeah. I think it's a, a mixture of hygiene and, and <laughs> uh, seemingly strange habits. Definitely, and it's quite it's quite interesting because the and you're right everything you're right with everything you said in terms of these like the wetland markets and the wildlife uh markets and um that's where they think it originated i think it was um of the first 41 people they identified with it 27 had been to this one market in the wuhan and they still haven't kind of definitely done it they're obviously focusing on treating people right now rather than looking mm. into it but they definitely will um everyone's been talking about how important it is to find the exact origin but they're pretty sure pretty sure it's that um and again from bats because it's got some like a 95 percent similarity in the genome to, to the virus really? in bats mm -hmm. um but yeah as when anything like this happens there's some good old conspiracy theories that come out 
And uh, one of them was particularly interesting, I thought, because it, um, it made me think of our, you remember the um, How Do You Think You'll Die episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were talking about like bioterrorism and creating bioweapons. The, um, yeah. There was one conspiracy that became a kind of an obvious one, I guess. Um, and this, this guy had said that one of the, so there is in that Wuhan area, there is China's only level four biosafety lab. Um, which is kind of the places where they would be researching these kind of viruses and messing around them. That's probably the wrong word. But because I guess based solely on that, a lot of people were saying, did, were they working on this virus there and it somehow leaked out or they leaked it out? Um, it was quite interesting. But then they've researched, researched it since. And apparently the way this, the genetic makeup of the virus or the genome of the virus means that it is way too random to have been done by humans it's um their quote was humans could never have dreamed this up and then they also said interestingly that if human had dreamed it up as a bioweapon really? um it would have they would have made it way more fatal like this is what two three percent mortality um whereas i think the ones yeah. we were talking about and how how do you think you'll die would be way worse than that yeah ebola is much much higher it's over 60 odd percent or something so yeah, you're developing a pretty bad bioweapon if you're uh. aiming for 2 or 3%. Interesting all the same. And I do have to say, maybe we'll get into a few of the others in other episodes, but there's some banging conspiracy theories out there, especially when things involve China. Yeah, that would be a good episode. It's superb. <laughs> Probably less science episode, but we can have some fun with it for sure. Um, but let's, on that note, yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's go sciencey. I want to get super sciencey because <laughs> this is the bit I found really interesting. Um, so in terms of, I guess for me, the main questions when all the stuff started coming out in the news in terms of this virus was kind of like, why is it having, because even we say it's kind of similar to SARS, but SARS only infected 8,000 people globally, only killed 800 people. This is obviously, and that was across months, this has obviously gone mad in a short space of time. So what is it about this virus biologically that makes it different and makes it spread so efficiently mm -hmm. so we've kind of uh delved into the literature haven't we david yeah so, it's quite hard to get clear answers obviously at the moment because it is very early on and there's been a big global effort to learn a lot more about it so everything that's kind of people think they know now is still going to be subject to change over the next few months as research gets a bit more clear indeed one of the main things they thought was um about how the virus actually attaches to human cells. So when a virus comes in contact, it needs to anchor on to a cell. And it does that by latching onto a receptor on the cell, which is a protein on the outside on its surface. And the one it seems to bind to is called ACE2. And that's involved in, a, or ACE2A. And that's involved in the blood pressure regulation system. And that's just uh, happenstance that it's involved in that. And it locks onto it, and it's thought that coronavirus, or the one we have at the moment, COVID-19, binds on with uh, 10 times more efficiency than SARS bound on. And that is one of the reasons why they think it's causing this extra virulence and uh, higher, higher death rate, or not higher death rate, sorry, higher spread. And another trait that it's got that's a bit different, it sheds more easily too. So in the virus life cycle once it's bound on it goes inside replicates loads and then it sheds out so it bursts outside the cell 
And that's when it can start spreading when you cough or sneeze and you can infect other people. And that shedding is thought to be a lot more efficient too. So the fact that it binds on more efficiently and sheds very quickly, they think that causes it to um, be able to get out of your system before your symptoms start showing. So generally with the flu, you once you get infected, you symptoms within two to three days. Whereas uh, with coronavirus, COVID-19, you can be infectious for five or six days before you start getting symptoms because it's that much more efficient in those two processes. So that's why a lot of people think that it's, it's spreading more quickly because you can go around feeling absolutely fine for much longer before, before you realize that you are actually infected and then you self-isolate or go to bed because you're feeling so bad. And another, um, another key bit with that as well, isn't it? That, so because it binds, because it's the same receptors for SARS, as you said. And I think the same, it's that ACE2 receptor for all coronaviruses, right? I think. Yeah, I think so. It's, I've got a question on that one, guys. Go, 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 go. Yeah. So, Joe, you just said coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that this is also known as SARS-2. I think maybe this is kind of a it's more than point. one question. But what's the difference between... COVID-19 and coronavirus. What is the difference between both of those and SARS-2? And are there different forms of coronaviruses that have like existed throughout history? Or can you outline those? Yeah, 100%. Go on, B-dubs. Yeah, that's a great question. So coronavirus is the family of viruses. So SARS and MERS are both types of coronavirus, as is COVID-19. So they're all just past one family and they've just, um, they're called, uh, well, they're coronaviruses because corona is Spanish or Latin for crown. It looks like a crown under electron microscope because of these proteins on the side. So that's just the kind of general family that look like that. And then MERS is Middle Eastern uh, respiratory syndrome and SARS is severe uh severe acute respiratory syndrome yes that's it severe acute respiratory syndrome thank you joe <laughs> yeah boy and so yeah they're just basically different variations of the same family so you could think of it like different mammals or something like that that just quickly that because the coronavirus family is huge and you know we were saying it was from bats they were saying um i saw mm-hmm. a thing that they were saying that there's probably hundreds of other coronaviruses circulating among the 1400 uh, bat species that live on s- the six different continents and then and it says that the, they may have these coronaviruses have probably been co-evolving uh, amongst bats longer than humans have existed really so yeah. in short just don't eat them <laughs> yeah you think so but then equally we're saying that it's jumped from bats to other species and then to humans so you've got to avoid a few different other animals as well um but yeah so as they were saying lots of coronaviruses and so yeah but so going back to our first point of um reasons why this one in particular seems to be more dangerous and having more of a global effect so we've got we've mentioned before that it binds onto the cells more efficiently that it sheds more efficiently and therefore people spread but there's other traits it has as well so it's got um, what seems to be a unique ability to use the body's own enzymes to to activate the process in which it binds on to the human cell. So it uses the our own enzymes to help it with that process. 
that makes it much more efficient as well. Sorry, just quickly on the enzyme point, do you think that that could perhaps be a theory for why this shedding seems to be that much more prolific in children? Well, it could be. So not nothing's really known about that so far. And the whole yeah. children aspect is really interesting because uh, other diseases such as influenza is uh, affects children much worse than adults, whereas coronaviruses seem to be the opposite. And they're not really sure why that might be the case. So I was looking into it a little bit. There was an interesting article in New Scientist around this. And they think that children might be more shielded from the immune response you get after an infection. So it's not the infection itself that causes the problems with coronavirus. It's your body has an overzealous attack to it afterwards. And then you get this um, big cytokine storm happening. So you get a big immune and inflammatory reaction all in your lungs. And then that leads to inflammation and fluid building up. And as all of this is in the lower respiratory tract, so the bottom of your lungs, where the oxygen gas exchange happens with your blood, then that's, it stops that from happening and then you get pneumonia. The things children, uh, the current theory is that children might be more shielded from this because their immune system are slightly less developed or they don't work in exactly the same way as adults. Or possibly another th thing they think might be the case is that as they don't have as many antibodies um, as adults do because they haven't been exposed to as many different viruses, then that might help protect them because we as adults will have lots of different antibodies for different flus, maybe other coronaviruses, but they're not matched perfectly to this one. And as they're not fully matched, then they can actually cause more harm than good. So they can be contributing to all the inflammation and um, fluid buildup in the lungs without actually killing the virus. There's a few different theories on why it might not affect children as much, but no one really that, knows yet. And that, um, what you're saying with the immune response, that is, it's worse. It's all similar in this. I was thinking it's worse in this one, right? Because of the things we talked about, because it binds to that receptor more efficiently, because it uses one of the body's own enzymes. So the, the kind of spitting of the RNA into the cell is more efficient. Everything happens more quickly. So the body, doesn't notice it until it's kind of embedded and then yeah. it sees it and it's like holy shit we've got to give it everything we've got yeah and then exactly. causes more problems than it solves like you were saying because that immune response gives you fluid in the lungs it causes it makes you breathing hard all that kind of stuff yeah 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 precisely yeah so it kind of your body goes full tilt at it and as with a lot of other diseases it's almost like an autoimmune disease where your body just goes so aggressive that it starts causing itself more problems and then there's one other final thing which is probably the most interesting thing that joe and i were talking about we looked up this so a lot of viruses can adapt very very quickly to um different uh, species in different situations to try and survive and they do this because they're normally very basic genomes and they replicate quickly and it's kind of a quick and dirty mechanism of evolving, adapting to different uh, environmental stresses. And that's very good, but it also means that they can, um, uh, they can die off quite easily as well. Whereas uh, the coronavirus, they have, uh, they have a proofing mechanism for this process. So when they start making um, lots and lots of viruses, they can actually, when they, are doing well and succeeding in infecting a host they can actually think right this is working 
so we can proof and keep this copy going and survive longer. And then when it's not working, say you get a selection pressure in, say they want to jump to a pangolin or from a bat to a pangolin or a pangolin to a human, and they suddenly need to think, right, we need to start to this new thing. They can take off that correction mechanism, make lots of errors, and then one of those or a few of those errors will stick, and then it can adapt much more quickly. You, so said, that, you said thinking there. You told me I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not thinking. This thing, viruses aren't <laughs> alive. They have no consciousness. It's just stats in uh, probability. So they just churn out tons and tons and tons of viruses all the time millions and millions and millions some will be adapted to these new circumstances and when they don't need to adapt anymore they can this proofing mechanism keeps them keeps them surviving this this was one of the bits that i found most fascinating because normally when you think of a as you say when you think of a virus the way that it evolves through those rapid replications most of those replications will kill the cell but some of them are beneficial it's not your natural selection but accelerated ridiculous like i saw a statue it said it took the uh, the genome of the human species eight million years to evolve by one percent whereas these rna viruses can evolve by more than one percent in a matter of days so that's yeah. the normal speed and that's normally their biggest advantage in terms of jumping from species to species they can adapt to a new environment like that whereas if you suddenly plonked humans on mars they die yeah um but this one has so go on go on go on sorry joe finish your point and i've got a question on that i was just going to say so this one can it, can it has that advantage of being able to evolve super quick but then it also can somehow proof it turn it off and stay stable in a certain environment so it won't die out over time which is it's pretty mad so on that point of adaptation um i mean a lot of you know the conversation around coronavirus is like and a lot of my questions i'm sure the answers are theoretical but i'm interested to hear what you guys think so obviously the virus is evolving i think that's probably fair to say do you think that we're going to start seeing younger fatalities as time goes by I wouldn't have thought so because it seems to be that that's not so much the case across lots of different types of coronaviruses. So it doesn't, it would seem like it would need to be quite a change for that, uh, that to change. Yeah. I think it's, an, it's kind of quite inherent. Elderly people. Yeah. Okay. So um, other points I'm interested to hear your input on as well, um, just to essentially debunk a lot of stuff that we're reading. Uh, number of, deaths is much higher in men um i heard that um that was in china initially because they uh, just have much weaker lungs because there's such a smoking culture for men there but not for women um although we're seeing this across you know southern europe too um i'm not sure if that is still you know the same theory what do you guys think about that one yeah, that's a good question as well. And yeah, I'm not sure. There's, I've heard similar theories. Also, I think the same applies for Italy, as you said, for China. There's a huge smoking culture there as well. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I don't think there's a clear answer on that one yet. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know on that one. It's as David said, there's so much going on that there's so many unanswered questions. Yeah. yeah. And then my last two questions, which are 
slightly more on the ridiculous spectrum. I love it. I, love <laughs> it. I could see yeah. you jotting things down while David was well, talking. I love this. David really, <laughs> David really gets me, uh, gets me tickled. Oh, me too. Um, me too. So, um, uh, slightly more on the ridiculous spectrum. Uh, there's obviously quite a few like hilarious theories going around. Yeah. Um, lots of I'm not sure how credible sources saying I know someone who knows someone who works in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the spoofs actually have been <laughs> hilarious. The, the Daniel one and the Aliens one is really good. The Lasagna and one then, is so uh, good. So good. And then I think the third one came in and like um, uh, maybe killed the joke, but but the Zanya one was, was brilliant. Um, so uh, heat affects it. Uh, BS or not BS? <laughs> Good one. Good one. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it's something a lot of people have been looking at because heat has uh, an effect on your immune system. So your immune system seems to work a little bit better when it's in a fever state. And it might, it's thought that perhaps we've evolved to have fevers to kick your immune system into an extra kind of gear of overdrive. And there's also been a lot of, lot of um, discussions around whether taking drugs like ibuprofen or paracetamol mm -hmm. that reduce Damn your it, fever. That was my second one. <laughs> <laughs> that reduce the fever, uh, whether that has an effect. And it's thought that it probably doesn't. So if you need those drugs anyway and you've been prescribed them, then definitely keep taking them for now until people know any better. Um, but if you don't need to take them, then perhaps don't try something slightly different like aspirin. Interestingly, on that one, I am, um, because what we didn't tell the listeners was that I broke my face skiing. I had to have, I had to have, <laughs> yeah. surgery, had to have surgery. And um, my surgeon has now said to me not to take um, anti-inflammatories. Okay. So the medical community really, is terrible. You should be taking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can share a photo. It was hilarious to begin with. It's now it's now better. Um, well, not better. completely better, but um, but yeah, it, the medical yeah, community. So I was taking note of that one. Oh yeah, I was yeah. going to ask about the ibuprofen one as well because I just like I wonder where where that theory has come from. Um, what that's based on. Yeah. yeah well. It's based on the fact that people still don't know whether fevers are um, an active mechanism to help your body combat infections oh, okay. or whether it's just a byproduct of what's happening. So if it's just a byproduct, then it doesn't matter if you start bringing it down to make yourself feel more comfortable. But if it's actually one of your body's lines of defense and they think, okay, if you start taking that away, are you going to start making it worse? It seems like it's there isn't a clear-cut answer, which means probably that it's not going to make a huge difference either way. Otherwise, you'd have probably mm. thought it would come out by now, but yeah, it's it's not known. And the heat one, there's obviously lots of speculation, but nothing proven. And then because yeah. there's also people saying cold as well. I was saying to David Ehrlich, <laughs> we had an interview with the uh, the Belarusian really? prime minister or president, because you know they're still playing football and ice hockey and stuff. There's a hilarious, there's a hilarious interview with him where he's at an ice hockey game and they're like, "But what about Corona?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, but it's cold here. It's fine." Yeah, the World Health Organization have issued a response saying that it definitely is still contagious in the cold, so you're not safe in Canada, even though it's snowing. And yeah, but it's not. There's so many unknown things with this weather, and it well, still will. Uh, yeah, they're saying also in hot countries, it's still going to be. Uh, infectious so I don't think anywhere is safe you can't start 
spinning your own political agenda to say your country or your favorite hobby that you want to do is going to be protected. That's the other, um, maybe this is what you were about to say actually, Rob. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. About coming into summer kind of idea. <clears throat> that if given, um, there's a lot of people saying, oh, when, when, once we get into summer and it warms up, it might slow down, which I guess will maybe partly answer that question. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, that's the case for a lot of uh, infectious diseases. You see them in waves that are happening once or twice a year, depending on the seasons. But it's not really known. So yeah, there's a good chance it'll die down over the summer. But yeah, no, it'll, it'll be, be very hard to tell. That curve will have slowed by that point. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I think there's like probably about three things that I'm interested to see how they pan out over the coming weeks. I think one is you know, whether I think this week has been touted as pretty, um, potentially a tipping point for, for the UK. I'm interested to see if we've managed to learn enough from Italy uh, on this one to not see things escalate um, substantially. Um, the second point is, um, uh, well, I think the Americas, like what's going to happen there, like Bolsonaro, has yeah. a bizarre approach it's almost like he's in denial he's prioritizing yeah. the economy um i wonder what's going to happen there and and then with north america as well i mean that's that doesn't need to be explained yeah um it seems like all of the different governors are bickering with the president about their approach and then the final thing is i'm interested to see what happens with africa because it hasn't seemingly taken off there which i think from an outsider's perspective, seems like, you know, a uh, disaster's waiting to happen, like once it probably infects it, but it obviously has. But, you know, for a country like Nigeria, which is seemingly quite compact um, in yeah. the larger cities, they've only had something like 300 deaths, um, I think. So, like, not that many. And, and then there's also, you know, the heat factors take into it too. Like, I wonder if that's going to, make any difference in the countries around the equator but i know that south africa is obviously panicking a lot because they've got um essentially you know townships which is similar to brazil's same as yeah. brazil's shanty towns um which could potentially be disastrous yeah mm. yeah there's i mean there's so many interesting questions right now and how it pans out will be fascinating i think we'll try and uh, mm. we've said we'll try and do one of these every week so we can kind of keep track and have a different topic each week but have so look, many questions have a look at where we are and yeah hopefully given i don't know how long but maybe we can some of those questions the scientists will start to answer them um but i think Definitely. for this for this one for this week uh should we call it there and um some top questions from robo loved it yeah some, good grilling some, some top scientific summaries from david <laughs> i personally when starting to look into the biology behind it it was so interesting and makes sense why it's why it's had such a different effect to the other viruses we've seen um and as per rob's questions if you're listening and you've jotted down some questions obviously we want to hear them i think all lines yeah. of communication are still open right david email's still yeah. going team, yeah everything's going team at sickofhealth.co.uk and then of course uh, twitter at sickofhealth or just message one of us if you know us that's maybe the easiest method, but yeah. Any questions? Or, uh, Dr. Chris Whitty, and he'll forward it on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. With personal personal advisor, David, Dr. David yeah. Wright. <laughs> once once Whitty goes down with Corona, you'll see David on that podium. 
Hello. <laughs> um, sweet. And yeah, as I said, we'll come back with more, with more episodes. Um, so if there's topics as well, let us know. But I think uh, we will leave it there. So thanks, yeah. chaps. It was it was beautiful to even though it was it was over technology and it's maybe not as smooth. It was beautiful to get back on the horse and do it again. Yeah, shame it's such a morbid subject, but it's been good to be back. Oh, exactly. We can have we can have a few giggles along that's the way. Late. I think that's fine. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thanks as always for listening. Stay safe. Stay home. Stay safe. So yeah. Sick, so sick, so sick of health.